Hello, friends. It's a new day with discoveries to be made, so let's start by making new discoveries in God's Word. It's October 16th. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. Wherever you are, in whatever time zone you are located in, whether you are in your car driving on the left in England or on the right in the States, whether you're working an early morning shift or a late night shift, exercising at the gym, having a quiet time, multitasking in the kitchen or in the office, wherever you are, we believe that you will benefit from our Bible readings today. We are in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament and we'll be reading some familiar verses that have been widely misunderstood and misapplied. Today you will read them in context, which is very important if we are truly wanting to know the Lord's intention when he originally spoke his promises to his people. Sometimes people want to hold the Lord to something that he never said. We will learn more about that in our Old Testament reading. Today we also start a new book in the New Testament, Paul's first letter to his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy, the first of a group of three epistles known as the pastoral epistles. 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. Some have added Paul's letter to Philemon in this group. They are addressing men who have been given pastoral oversight of the churches. Let's get started by picking up where we left off yesterday. As you may have noticed, the prophecies and narrative sections of the book of Jeremiah are not in chronological order, yet Jeremiah prefaces his prophecies with the particular year and the king of Judah he is dealing with at the time. We are in chapter 28, and we will start off learning about the false prophet Hanani. Jeremiah chapter 28, verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, the son of Azor, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah the prophet in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Yet hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah the prophet and broke them. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon from the neck of all the nations within two years. But Jeremiah the prophet went his way. Sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke bars from off the neck of Jeremiah the prophet, 
the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go, tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord, You have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all these nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. For I have given to him even the beasts of the field. And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. Chapter 29, Jeremiah's Letter to the Exiles These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisah, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me, when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Because you have said, The Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, and concerning all the people who dwell in this city, your kinsmen who did not go out with you into exile. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am sending on them sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them like vile figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with sword, famine, and pestilence, and will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse, a terror, 
a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them, because they did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord, that I persistently sent to you by my servants the prophets, but you would not listen, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab the son of Coliah and Zedekiah the son of Maasiah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, and he shall strike them down before your eyes. Because of them this curse shall be used by all the exiles from Judah in Babylon. The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. Because they have done an outrageous thing in Israel, they have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives, and they have spoken in my name lying words that I did not command them. I am the one who knows, and I am witness, declares the Lord. Shemaiah's False Prophecy To Shemaiah of Nehalam you shall say, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have sent letters in your name to all the people who are in Jerusalem, and to Zephaniah the son of Maasiah the priest, and to all the priests, saying, The Lord has made you priest, instead of Jehoiada the priest, to have charge in the house of the Lord over every madman who prophesies, to put him in the stocks and neck irons. Now why have you not rebuked Jeremiah of Anathoth who is prophesying to you? For he is sent to us in Babylon, saying, Your exile will be long, build houses, and live in them, and plant gardens, and eat their produce. Zephaniah the priest read this letter in the hearing of Jeremiah the prophet. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Send to all the exiles, saying, Thus says the Lord concerning Shemaiah of Nehalam, Because Shemaiah had prophesied to you when I did not send him, and has made you trust in a lie, therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah of Nehalam and his descendants. He shall not have anyone living among this people, and he shall not see the good that I will do to my people, declares the Lord, for he has spoken rebellion against the Lord. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament, from the book of Jeremiah. At the beginning of our reading, Jeremiah is wearing the yoke as a symbol of submission to the king of Babylon that the Lord is requiring of Judah at this time. The false prophet, Hananiah, makes a prediction that the Lord will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. He prophesies that the stolen items from the temple will be quickly restored after their brief exile. Quite dramatically, Hananiah takes the yoke off Jeremiah's neck and breaks it. Jeremiah replies that if a person claims to be a prophet and makes a prophecy that fails to come true, he is a false prophet. Furthermore, the Lord says that, contrary to Hananiah's prophecy, he will put an iron yoke on the nations in place of the wooden one and extend Nebuchadnezzar's control over many nations, even wild animals. Jeremiah sticks with his prophecy that the people of Judah will be in captivity for seventy years and that Hananiah would die before the year is out. In chapter 29, Jeremiah writes a letter to the surviving elders, priests, and prophets among the exiles in Babylon. He tells them to seek the good of the city, build houses, plant gardens, and carry on with life. In other words, 
They are going to be in their captivity in a foreign country a long time. They are to make the best of it. They are to pray on behalf of its residents. Pray for the prosperity of the city, for if the city prospers, so will you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. In the letter, Jeremiah assures them that the Lord's promise is to bring them back after 70 years. The promise that is so glibly quoted, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, are written to assure them that, although they will be taken captive into Babylon, a remnant from the next generation will see a return to the land and have their relationship with the Lord restored. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, is one of the most misapplied verses in the Bible. Certainly the words in themselves are encouraging, but we must remember to whom this promise was given and the historical context. This is not meant to be a blanket promise of worldly prosperity and blessing. Judah was about to experience the promised curse of a 70-year captivity for the years of disobedience to God. They would not be left off the hook, but would be held accountable for their sins and delivered to Nebuchadnezzar to live in exile. In the future, after seventy years, a returning remnant would be blessed. It is unlikely that many of the older ones would be alive to experience the promised hope of a future return to Jerusalem. It is better for us to take the promises that are directed towards us, such as Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 Jeremiah predicts that the false prophets Ahab, son of Koaliah, and Zedekiah, son of Maasiah, will be delivered to Nebuchadnezzar and put to death before their eyes. Their immorality and lies will cause their names to be remembered in a curse. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 22 and 23. Because of them, a curse will be used by all the exiles from Judah who are in Babylon, saying, May the Lord make you like Zedekiah and like Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire, because they have acted foolishly in Israel, and have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives, and have spoken in my name falsely, which I did not command them. And I am he who knows and am a witness, declares the Lord. Shemaiah, the Nehelamite, prophesies falsely, even though he has no word from the Lord. Jeremiah gives a message to all the exiles exposing Shemaiah as a false prophet and pronouncing that he and his people will quickly come to an end because they have preached rebellion. We have new territory to take on as we travel on our Bible reading tour to the New Testament, Paul's first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 
certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law, without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory for ever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And this concludes today's portion from the New Testament, from Paul's first letter to Timothy. You may remember how Paul picked up Timothy to join his team on his second missionary trip. Together they went to Macedonia. Eventually, Timothy is sent to serve the church at Ephesus. Paul writes this letter to Timothy in 64 or 65 A.D. from his imprisonment in Rome. The health of the church at Ephesus was being threatened by Gnostic teachings. Paul urges Timothy to deal with the problem. Warren Wearsby makes this observation, quote, Paul used military language to help Timothy and his people see the seriousness of the problem in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Charge means to give strict orders from a superior officer. Paul used this word, sometimes translated commandment, and command in the King James Version, eight times in his two letters to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, verse 5, verse 18, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, chapter 5, verse 7, chapter 6, verse 13 and 17, and 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He was conveying this idea, Timothy, you are not only a pastor of the church in a difficult city, you are also a Christian soldier under orders from the king. Now pass these orders along to the soldiers in your church. What was the order? Do not teach different doctrines from those taught by Paul. In the original text, there are 32 references to doctrine, teach, teacher, teaches, and teaching in the three pastoral epistles. In the early church, 
the believers were taught the Word of God and the meaning of basic Christian doctrines. In many churches today, the pulpit and the choir loft are places for entertainment, not enlightenment and enrichment. End quote. If John Newton's song, Amazing Grace, had been written in the first century, I believe the Apostle Paul would sing it. He basically sings the same idea in verses 12 through 16. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12-16 through 16. Paul reminds Timothy of the great confidence he has in him, remembering the prophecies that were given to him when he would be victorious in the battle. He's encouraged to hold fast to the faith. The outcome of a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ will be that we bring forth the fruit of the Spirit, love. Paul addresses the heresies of his day, the false teaching of the Gnostics and Antinomians. Timothy must admonish the Christians to avoid foolish distractions, alternate grounds of righteousness based on pedigree, genealogy, and super-spiritual experiences. They are to recognize the value of the law as a reflection and foreshadowing of the righteousness of God in Christ. They should test all things by the truth that is found in Jesus. The purpose of the law is to correct lawbreakers and to point to the righteousness of Christ. The law was not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men, and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. Now we move on to the book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook, and we will be reading Psalm 86, verses 1 through 17. Great is your steadfast love, a prayer of David. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, 
and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maid servant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. It is good to remember our dependence upon the Lord. I am poor and needy. The psalmist recalls God's faithfulness and mercy his forgiveness, and his gift of joy. He remembers how God has answered prayers in the past, and therefore he calls out to him again. The Lord is incomparable, in verses 8 through 10, in every way. The psalmist asks to be taught and given an undivided heart, in verse 11. After extolling the Lord in praise, the psalmist asks for personal assistance. Turn to me and be gracious to me, O grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Psalm 86, verse 16. Now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. This is a practical warning that even good friends can wear out their welcome. Be sensitive to when you might be overestimating or overstaying your welcome. Let's pray together in the light of what we have been learning. Gracious God and Savior, Creator and Sustainer of all, You declare the end from the beginning and reign supreme over the details of our lives. You have given us a hope and a future in Christ Jesus. We are blessed to be Your children and made heirs of Your gracious salvation. Thank you for salvaging us and calling us into your service. We ask that you teach us your ways and unite our hearts to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us in our Bible reading tour today. We've taken in some new territory in the book of Jeremiah, and we have made a start on Paul's first letter to Timothy, where we will get some practical encouragement on Christian living. It has been encouraging to hear that some of you are sharing the written commentaries with your Bible study groups. And if any of you listening would like to subscribe to a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And you can always contact us by writing to us an email at podcast at newlife.org. So my prayer is that you will be filled and fully flooded with the life of God himself, knowing, loving, and serving through the power of his indwelling spirit. Shalom.